So recently, I, I took a short trip to Maryland to see some family for some things. And my return flight to Florida was supposed to arrive in Orlando around 9 p.m. I'm going to let you know something about me, and that is that uh, travel stresses me. But as long as the timing of things lines up, it's okay. It's not a big deal. So I got to the airport in Maryland early. I dropped off the rental car. I breezed through security. Things were falling into place for me. And then I boarded the plane. Now my seat was towards the very back. It was a window seat. And it's not my favorite thing, being sandwiched between a stranger and the wall. But I thought to myself, it's only, it's only two hours. Not a big deal. I can put up with this. See, I was ready to go. But unfortunately, the plane wasn't. We sat on the runway for a little while, and then the captain came on. He said, all right, ladies and gentlemen. So we're being rerouted due to some bad weather, but you just you hang tight, and we'll leave soon. So I thought to myself, okay, maybe we'll get to Orlando at 9, 30, or 10. Well, a little while later, the pilot came back on. He said, hey, good news. He said, we've been cleared for takeoff, but we can't move until everyone's in their seat. See, someone had run to the restroom. Now, by the time this person got back to their seat, I had seen from my snug window view that five other planes had gotten in front of us to take off. So I think to myself, okay, we'll, we'll get to Orlando at 10. It's no big deal. Finally, we take off, and I'll be honest with you, about an hour into the flight, I was, I was bothered by how the, the timing of my plans was being thrown off. I wasn't having a great flight. But then I remembered something, that I had bought a soda when I was in the airport, and it was just sitting in my bag. Because you know what? Mountain Dew melts a lot of the worries away. <laughs> I took it out. I was so excited this was going to relieve things for me. <laughs> but I forgot what the pressure of a flight can do to a bottle of soda. So I watched in horror as it exploded all over my pants <laughs> to the shocked amusement of my fellow passengers. It was about that time that the pilot came back on and said, we were about an hour and a half from Orlando. Safe to say I wasn't having a good flight, but I thought to myself, I just have to last another hour and a half and I can get off this plane. So we finally landed uh, in Orlando and we sat there for a little while and that's when the pilot came back on and he said, uh, oh, he said bad news, ladies and gentlemen. He said, there's another plane at our gate, but hey, any minute, we'll be there. So 30 minutes later, we started moving. But then we kept on moving. We moved for a really long time. I'm pretty convinced we drove around the whole airport <laughs> and that this pilot just knew how to give us a lot of false hope. Because then we came to another stop. He said, bad news, ladies and gentlemen. He said, seems like they're a little short-staffed here at the airport tonight, so we're just waiting for somebody to come and taxi us into the gate. Should be any minute. About 30 minutes later, we were finally there. So it was around 11 o'clock when we got off the Airplane, and I'm thinking to myself, it's no, it's no big deal, Andrew. Just rush to the car and, and get home. So I missed the first shuttle to the terminal, and then I went to the wrong parking garage. But I finally made it home at a cool 12.30 a.m. in the morning. Now look, in the end, none of these things are a big deal, right? But it's frustrating when our plans, even our silly travel plans, it's frustrating when they fall apart, isn't it? We don't always respond the right way in those moments, do we? I, mean, I wish I could tell you that I kept a calm attitude, that I laughed off all these little inconveniences that day, but I did not. 
But this is a part of life, and we all know that. It's a part of life. Plans fall apart. And even though we know that, it can still be annoying, frustrating, maybe even confusing. But I think for Christians, maybe the most confusing times are when those plans that we make for the Lord fail. We don't always respond the right way then either, do we? So how should we respond when our plans for God fail? Let's consider this together as we turn to Romans 15. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to go ahead, take out your Bible. You can turn there with me, Romans 15. If you don't have a Bible, I'd still encourage you to follow along. You could use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 922. Page 922, Romans 15. We're going to begin in verse 14. This is where we left off last time together a couple weeks ago. Verse 14, Paul writes this. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let's pause here just so we all know what's, what's going on. Again, it's been a couple weeks since we were in Romans together. Uh, Paul had just been telling the church there how Christians who are mature in their faith and now Christians who are less mature in their faith, how they should get along and act toward one another. So he takes a moment to make it clear that he considers these believers in Rome, by and large, to be a mature group of Christians. Yet he's still gone through a lot of, a lot of basic truths with them throughout his letter. I mean, just think about some of the things that Paul has taught and talked about so far. Well, he's talked about the sinfulness of the world about the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. He's talked about the fact that we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved from sin and hell. Then he talked about how we should practically live out our faith in things like serving one another with our spiritual gifts, practicing hospitality, loving one another, submitting to governing authorities, living in harmony. The list of teachings so far has been quite long. And it turns out that some of these things, well, they weren't new to the church in Rome. But Paul says that he wrote to remind them of these things again. Well, why? I mean, Paul said that they were full of goodness, full of knowledge. In fact, that they were even competent to teach, yet he reminds them of some basic truths. So what does this, what does this tell us? Church, this tells us that regardless of the maturity of our faith, we all need to constantly be reminded of the truths of God. Because, as I have said many times before, we are prone to forget things, believers. I heard a story years ago about a church that hired a new pastor. And on his first Sunday, he preached a powerful message about Christian living. They were excited. They called the right man to their church. But the next Sunday, it was, it was kind of weird. He preached the exact same message that he preached the week before. 
Of course, people thought that was strange, but they thought to themselves, okay, it's a new place. Maybe he's nervous. Maybe something came up during the week. They decided just to let it go and brush it off. But then the third Sunday, he preached the same thing again. So after the service, a member of the church's personnel board approached the pastor and said, uh, why do you keep preaching the same thing? He said, we expect to hear something different every week. And the pastor looked at him and said, well, why would I preach something different this week when the people aren't applying the truths that they were shown last week? You see, sometimes as Christians, we like to hear good truths. We like to say amen, and then we just kind of move on. You see, the question is, how would the believers in Rome respond to these familiar truths? And the question for us, First Baptist Church, is how have we responded to these familiar truths? Have we taken anything to heart so far in our series through Romans? Or can we see the change in our lives since we started this study, church? You see, many Christians remain immature in their faith because they are content not to grow. And when we aren't growing in our faith, when we're not growing in our understanding of God's word and our obedience to him, we shouldn't be surprised when his will, his plans for us seem uncertain or unknown. Believers, if we aren't closely following our shepherd, then obviously we're not going to know what paths he's directing us to in this life. Oh, but, but mature faith? Mature faith, that, that faith that grows close to the Lord, that's the faith that begins to discern his will. And stepping into his will, believers, stepping into his plan, it's, it's incredible. That's what Paul did. See, Paul knew that God's will was for him to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And this is how Paul describes living out God's plan in his life. Look at verse 17, where Paul describes God's plan. It says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. So here we see God's plan for Paul's life. And I don't want us to miss it. Uh, Paul was called to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And you know what? As he did that, God did powerful things through the apostle Paul. Paul's journeys took him many miles. He went places where the gospel had never been preached. He was a missionary, a church planner. He was an apostle whose ministry was confirmed by signs and wonders. Listen to how Acts chapter 19 describes those signs and wonders. Acts 19, verse 11 says this. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Paul's gospel ministry was so widespread 
that listen to this. His Gentile enemies described him in Acts 19 as someone who had impacted people in practically the whole province of Asia. His Jewish enemies said in Acts 21 that Paul taught the gospel to everyone everywhere. Look how magnificent and powerful and incredible God's plans are when they are followed in our lives. Believers, do we think that because God isn't calling us to the same thing as Paul, that, that we won't also experience God's greatness and goodness in our lives? Believer, what is God calling you to do right now in your situation, right now in your life? I understand he may not be calling you to be a, a church planner or a missionary or an evangelist, but maybe he's been calling you to stand up for righteousness among your friends or your co-workers in this unrighteous age that we live in. Or maybe he's calling you to share the gospel with that lost person in your life. Or maybe he's calling you to use retirement as more than relaxation, but an opportunity to reach people for Jesus. Maybe he's been calling you to start or join a ministry in the church that will impact people for his kingdom. When God makes his will and his plan and our life or situation clear, we need to follow him in obedient faith. Now I want to make something clear. Does that mean that we won't, well, we won't face difficulties when we do that? No, that's not what that means. No. No, in fact... When you follow God's will for you, that will increase many times life's difficulties because the devil and the world will be there to oppose you. But God's, God's plans, His purposes, they might bring difficulty, but for the mature believer, they will never bring disappointment. See, it's not His plans that disappoint us. It's our plans that bring disappointment, believers. Paul knew about that. Look at verse 22. He said, This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Now, wait a minute. Paul was just talking about all this success that he's had in ministry, all the things that God has done through him, and now, now he's talking about being hindered. Now being kept from visiting the church in Rome. That's because up to this point, visiting the church in Rome, that had been Paul's plan. You see, Paul longed to see the Christians in Rome for years. He had longed to see them. But every time he tried, he was hindered. The way, the opportunity was cut off for Paul. Well, why do you think that that was? Paul had good reasons for going, by the way. He said in chapter 1 that he longed to preach the gospel there. That he wanted to impart to the believers some spiritual encouragement. I mean, this, this sounds like a good godly thing that Paul was pursuing. In fact, I think we could say it's part of God's will for his life. Christians, have you ever wanted to do something for the Lord? I mean, you made these plans for him and then they, then they were hindered? Were your plans, they were cut off, they were ruined, they fell through, and you were left wondering, why, God? Just Why? Didn't you want me to do this? Isn't this your will that this takes place? Isn't this something that would please you? Have you ever felt that confusion or that disappointment? And then what did you do? This wasn't the only time 
Paul had a good godly plan that was hindered. I want to show you another example in the Bible of one of those plans. This, this one's in Acts chapter 16. I think we'll be able to put this one on the screens for you so you can follow along. Acts 16 verse 6 says this. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and they went down to Troas. Yeah, look, I don't know about you, but I read that and I can only imagine the confusion Paul and his companions might have had when they said, hey, let's, let's go to these places, let's preach Jesus Christ, and then these people are going to get saved, and all of a sudden, the, the Lord hinders their plans? You know, it doesn't tell us what that looked like, how it is that the Lord hindered their plan, but would that confuse you? No, oh, that confused me. And then we read this in the next verses, it says this in verse 9. It says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Believers, I think there's some things that we need to realize when it comes to our failed plans that we make for the Lord. A few things to consider. One, sometimes our plans for God fail, they're hindered because our own sin gets in the way. Uh, sometimes our plans are hindered because the enemy, our enemy, the devil, he tries to thwart us, we get discouraged. And then sometimes, sometimes God providentially hinders the plans that we make for him. Because even though our plan might be good, and godly, it might not be God's plan. At least not at that time. You see, it's not that God didn't want the gospel preached in those other areas. It just wasn't God's will for Paul to do that at that time. God's will was for Paul to go to Macedonia. So what did Paul do? He went to Macedonia. It wasn't wrong for Paul to want to go to those other places. Just like it wasn't wrong that he had wanted to go to Rome in the past. Those had just been Paul's plans not God's plans. And you see, our plans, believers, even the good, godly ones, can lead to disappointment. In fact, sometimes they can even lead to frustration. And when that happens, that's when we need to evaluate things, believers. We need to ask ourselves, did this, did this fall apart because I let sin get in the way? Because I focused on sin instead of focusing on Jesus Christ. Is that the reason these plans fell through? Believer, if that's the case, then we need to repent and we need to return to God's will. Next, we need to ask, is it that the enemy was attacking me and because I was discouraged, I gave up those plans? Well, in that case, we need to pray for strength and we need to continue on. And then we need to ask, is it that God is simply redirecting me to something else that he wants me to be doing for him? In that case, we need to pray for his direction. But keep in mind, as I mentioned earlier, to be directed by him, we need to be walking with him. And when we are, when we're walking with him, we're going to have the right attitude, even, even 
and our broken plans. I mean, notice that, that Paul's attitude, notice his attitude in these hindrances, whether it's in the book of Acts or in the book of Romans, these broken plans, he had these disappointments. We never find in the midst of that that Paul, whether he doubted God's goodness or that he, he claimed that God made a mistake, that he blamed the Lord. And you see, I think that Paul learned contentment in his plans falling apart because he had seen the greatness of God's plans in his life. And believers, if we have seen the greatness of God's plans in our lives, then the question is, shouldn't we learn the same contentment that Paul had when our plans for him fall apart? We also need to learn to make plans the right way. Look what Paul said, verse 23. Let's read to the end of the chapter. He said this. He said, but now that there's no more place for me to work in these regions... And since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So, after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy, by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. So church, because God's plans are great, because our plans can lead to disappointment, well, that must mean we need to learn to make plans the right way. We need to learn to make plans according to God's will. And so Paul, Paul had finished doing ministry in these other places, and he knew, he knew that God's will was for him to take this contribution, this gift, this financial gift from these other churches to the believers in Jerusalem who were struggling. He knew that that was God's will. From Jerusalem, his plan was to go to Spain. And on the way to Spain, his plan was to see the believers in Rome. But it's how he planned this that I want us to really consider. First, he said that he knew he would come to them in the full measure of the blessing of Jesus Christ. If he was with them, he knew it was a blessing from the Lord. And, and Paul was confident that this was a God-honoring trip that he was planning. Now, I understand Paul had other God-honoring trips fall through before, but the point is, believers, we should not move forward with our plans until we can say, I know that this is going to honor God. You see, if we can't say that our plan is going to please God, then we shouldn't be surprised when those plans fall through and they backfire and they bring disappointments. The first thing we need to be able to say is, this is something that would honor the Lord. Next, Paul made this plan in prayer. 
Now, he actually already mentioned his personal prayer way back in chapter 1. He said that he had prayed that finally, by God's will, he would be able to go and see them. And now he asks these believers to pray. Paul was not above asking others to pray for him. I think we should keep that in mind. For some reason, it seems today in many churches, many professing mature Christians seem too above asking for prayer. Paul wasn't. In fact, he urged the believers to pray for him. Church, the Christian's life and the Christian's plans in life should always be covered in prayer. And finally, Paul said, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will. See, Paul never lost sight of God's will. Even when he wasn't certain what God's will might have been at a particular time, he never forgot that God's will is always better. So every plan he made was contingent on God's will being done. I'm sure a lot of us have heard believers say things maybe at the end of a prayer, at the end of a sentence. They'll say, Lord willing. For some, this is just, this is just a catchphrase that I think believers use. But the believer who can honestly and sincerely say, God's will be done when they plan for something, that believer is saying, I'm pursuing this because I trust it's going to honor God. And even if this falls through and God brings something different, I'm going to be content. That's how we need to make our plans. When we can say that, we won't be disappointed when our plans fall apart. Because we'll be living in the joy of God's will instead. And believers, his will is just better than ours. I think there are a lot of us who could learn that type of contentment when our plans fall apart. And I'll be quick to point the finger at myself for that. I'll be honest with you all that this is something the Lord's been working on in my life. As many of you know, I wasn't here last week. I was supposed to be here last week. I was supposed to be preaching this last week. But God saw fit instead for me and my boys to share a stomach bug together. And I'll let you know that there were plenty of times as I sat there in agony that I said to the Lord, why? You know? I mean, I'm supposed to be preaching today. Shouldn't I be there right now? And I would always hear God saying, yeah, and what were you supposed to preach on today? And I'd be like, I get it, but I should be there. This is what I'm supposed to be doing and God really had to convict me about the fact, and, and yeah, and don't you think maybe it's my will that instead somebody hears from Pastor Richard today about who Jesus is? So maybe if you're like me, we've, we've got a ways to go learning that contentment when our plans for the Lord falls through. Believers, each of us should sincerely desire to follow God's will in our lives, and in our situations. Now, to do that, first, we need to be walking with the Lord so we can discern what His will is. But next, when we make our plans in this life, we should make sure that those would be plans that honor Him. Then we should dedicate those things to Him and ask that His will would be accomplished. So that in those moments that our plans fall apart, we wouldn't be so quick to doubt Him, or blame Him, or rebel against Him. No, instead we'd be quick to bring everything to him in prayer and get back to joyfully following him wherever he leads us next. Believer, I promise you, God's way is not going to be easier. But it will always be better. Because he'll be walking with you through it. 
And it is so much better to be walking with him, even through the valley of the shadow of death, than to walk our own way and do our own thing. So here's the truth I want to communicate to all of us this morning. Believers, the truth is we, we should rejoice when our failed plans make the way for God's great plans. I just think that's easier said than done. God reminded me of that last week. But we should rejoice when our failed plans make the way for God's great plans. You know, we don't know with certainty whether or not Paul made it to the church in Rome. Church tradition says that he did, that he was able to visit them before he was rearrested and imprisoned and then killed under the Christian persecution that the Roman Emperor Nero carried out. But whether or not Paul ever saw the believers, I am confident that he rejoiced in God's will. And church, so should we. So let's make plans the right way so that we will respond the right way even when those plans fall apart, even when those plans fail. And church, let's encourage one another in those moments we know a brother or sister in Christ has had plans fall through. Let's be quick to come alongside each other, pray for one another. If you're here and Jesus is not your Savior, I understand that you probably don't worry about making plans for God in this life. Why would you? If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, it's probably the farthest thing from your mind. But if you're here and Jesus isn't your Savior, even though you don't make plans for God in this life, maybe you've made a plan to get to God at the end of this life. Because I've found most people have. And maybe you're planning something like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm planning that I'm doing enough good work so I'm going to get to heaven at the very end. I'm a good enough person that surely I'll kind of make it in or I go to church occasionally and I'm sure that that's going to be enough. After all, there's a lot worse people out there than me. A friend, I want you to understand before you leave that your plan to get to God, no matter what that plan is, will fail 100% of the time. Because only God's plan only his path to eternal life is the one that can get you to him. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father but by me. In other words, whatever other way you were trying to plan to get to God, your good works, church attendance, you've got a pastor who used to be in your family or something like that, none of those things are going to get you to the Lord. And only Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sin. Only Jesus can save you from hell. Only Jesus can give you eternal life. And I want you to know that Jesus has been waiting your whole life to give you all those things. The forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And if you're ready to give your life to him, if you're ready to receive those things, you can do that right now. Would you pray with me? Friend, if that's true for you, if you're here and Jesus isn't your savior, but you're ready to change that, Understand that there's, there's nothing we can do to make up for our sin. There's nothing we can do to get to God. Jesus already paid it all when he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for us. And if you're ready to give your life to him, if you're ready to receive that eternal life that he's offering you, then go to Jesus Christ right now in prayer. No matter what you've done or what's going on in your life, you can go to him in prayer and you can pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done bad things. 
But Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, today, I'm done trying to get to you my way. Today, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Savior. Friend, I promise you, if you pray things by faith, Jesus Christ will forgive you. He'll save you. And He'll make you a part of His family. Dear Heavenly Father, if there's anyone here today who hasn't made that decision, never given their life to Christ, they're making all these plans to get to you that are absolutely going to fail, I pray that they'd be willing to talk to somebody before they leave. And for those of us who have given our lives to the Lord, Father, I pray that you would teach us to make plans the right way in this life. So that when we're making these plans for our day, for our week, for our career, our friendships, our future, that we would make sure they are plans that would honor you. And then teach us to truly dedicate these things to your will. So that if our plans fall through, because you have something else in mind, we'd be quick to rejoice about that. In those moments when our sin keeps us from living for you, I pray you'd convict our hearts, teach us to be quick to repent and return to you. In those moments when the enemy tries to discourage us and distract us, teach us to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. So that in the moments you put us on the path that we are supposed to be on, we would rejoice. And I pray that we would be a church that is pursuing your will and your plan for First Baptist Church of Oxford so that you'd be honored and you'd be glorified. Father, we love you. But we know that you love us. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.